Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Oh, shucks. Catherine. All right. Hello. I'm super glad you're here and welcome to Sunday nights. This is brand new. This is a great vibe. We're on Facebook Live. Are we on Facebook Live? Say good day to our Facebook Live audience. We're on Facebook Live. Yeah, we are. Of course we are. It's conference weekend. Yeah. Okay, but uh, not a conference weekend. This is, what's well, conference weekend, but this is not a conference session. I want to talk to the family of Harmony tonight. And as Catherine said, I do want to share uh, something different to how I've been sharing um, in the conference. I was just chatting with Jono, uh, Jonathan over lunch and this often happens with me, but people ask me um, how I put my messages together or how I preach the way that I do. And more and more, I'm actually finding myself explaining how I preach or why I'm preaching that way just to get people in the zone. I think I'm the type of guy, I can multitask, but I think I'm the type of guy because I wear so many hats in my life that I like to know what zone am I in right now? Does that make sense to anyone? I, I often find myself... Uh, chairing meetings, and, and those of you who uh, have uh, done well your whole life to avoid uh, committee meetings, because <laughs> um, <laughs> most of the, re- the, the main reasons we hate committee meetings or board meetings or bureaucracy is because ultimately they're not led well. And I found myself in the last few years volunteering in our community and being willing to go on boards and, and committees and that type of thing, but only if I'm the chairman. And it's not because I want to be the top dog, because actually the chairman, if he does his job well, does the smallest amount of work. A good chairman is someone who can steer a meeting well. A good chairman is someone who can say, this is what we're doing, this is what we each need to do, now this is the goal we're achieving, now let's go there and do that. And uh, I find that I like to operate like that. One of the reasons I I find it painful sitting in committee meetings is when you just don't know where they're going. But that's also me. That's just my grid. So as I, sometimes as I'm preaching more and more, I find myself telling people, this is what I'm about to do. This is where I'm going. So hopefully you can follow with me. Does that make any sense? Yeah. It made more sense over lunch, didn't it, bro? Yeah, okay. <laughs> but everything makes more sense over food. Um, often when I preach, and I think I said this today, I like to ensure that I minister to people's heads, their hearts, and their hands. And in the last couple of days or yesterday in the sessions, I really wanted to focus about preaching on the most important thing ever, which is Jesus and his relationship with us. And I hope that if you listen to those messages or you hear yesterday, that somewhere the Holy Spirit got to touch your heart and that somewhere your mind was renewed and you saw truth that you haven't seen before. Um, But tonight I want to do more of a practical message And I want to minister more, in a sense, to your hands. I want you to leave tonight with something that you can say, I can do that. I'm going to leave tonight and I'm going to do that. Because as you read the scripture and as you look at um, Jesus' teaching, Paul's teaching and all that, uh, they minister to the head, they minister to the heart. But there's also a lot of the Bible that just says, just do this and it will go well with you. 
It just learned to put these things into practice. And so I want to more teach a message like that tonight. So I'm going to read some scripture just to get us in the zone. I'm going to be talking about wisdom. And then I'm going to more share from my own life, which is not my favorite thing to do. But I'm going to more share from my own life and just share some life lessons that I've learned growing in wisdom um, as I approach 40, which some of you is going to find very funny. What can a young 40-year-old know? But uh, we'll get there. So why don't we turn to the Gospel of Luke, and I want to talk a little bit about Jesus, and I want to have you notice something about him in here. Are you ready? Um, Most of what we know of Jesus is recorded in here. We know a lot about his infancy. We hear about the stories at Christmas all the time. Okay, We know a lot about how he was born. We know a lot about his adulthood, obviously. That's what most of the Gospels share with us. And obviously, we know heaps about his post-ascension life, so the life he lives right now. Okay, But we don't know much about his childhood. Uh, we don't know much about his childhood, but Luke particularly gives us a couple of insights of some key times in his life. As a Jewish boy, at the age of eight days, he had to go through a Jewish ceremony to be identified uh, with his covenant family. And then at the age of 40 days, his mum and dad had to take him to the temple. And this comes from Leviticus chapter 12. They had to take him to the temple and essentially dedicate him, in a sense, at the age of 40 days, if it was a boy, older if it was a girl. And there's a whole thing there in in Leviticus. And uh, so this is where mum and dad, Joseph and Mary, rock up to the temple with baby Jesus at 40 days. And they meet a couple there called Simeon and Anna. You remember that story? And at the end of this, it just says this about Jesus. Luke 2, verse 39. It says, When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, gone to the temple, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. The child grew and became strong, he was filled with wisdom, this 40-day-old child, and the grace of God was on him. The very next verse speaks, now launches into when Jesus is 12 days old, 40 days and then 12 years. How many of you know the number 40 and 12 are pretty significant in the Hebrew thought? Okay? So the next story is when he's 12 years old, and this is another part of his life. Essentially, it's, it's leading into when he's becoming a man. Okay, you've all heard of the bar mitzvah type of thing that's around about that age. And so he's there at a special feast, not because he's 12, but that just happens to be his age. He's there at a special feast. Um, His parents disappear without him and they leave him behind. You remember that story? They pack up their caravan, get going, and then realised, oops, left Jesus behind, right? Um, they probably, hey, those of us with many kids, we understand. You can easily do that. <laughs> uh, yes, anyway. Um, uh, we have left our children at church before, I, I, I will say that. We've got four of them. Come on. Mary and Joseph, who knows how many they had at this stage, but I can understand how they left uh, one of them behind. And, um, you know, you get to the point as a parent where you just call them by their number, don't you? Uh, hey, number three, get in the car, you know. Um, Okay, no, just take that off the tape. Um, but we see this in Jesus is 12, and this is all that we know about his childhood now. In verse 52, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and in man. Two things that we know 
uh, about Jesus in these verses or one quality that's repeated in both times. As he was a child, it says he was given wisdom. But here at the age of 12, as he went into his teenage years, it says he grew in wisdom. Here's the thing with wisdom. Wisdom is something that is given and wisdom is something that can grow. Wisdom is something that is given and wisdom is something that can grow. And if you don't believe me that wisdom is something that's given, you just read James chapter 1, where it says, if anyone thinks that he lacks wisdom, all you've got to do is ask God and he will give it to you. So wisdom is something that is given, but as we see here in Jesus, wisdom is something that is also grown and that you can grow in in your life. And one of the best books, arguably, to grow in wisdom, to read through, is the book of Proverbs. It's a whole book in wisdom. I start, I'm not going to say most years, but certainly this year, and I've done it other times, where I start in January reading the book of Proverbs. Just to start the year reading Proverbs. It's 31 chapters. You can do it in a month, okay? I said uh, this morning uh, that it's generally not a good idea to start New Year's resolutions in January. Some of you have tried to start reading the Bible in January. Genesis 1, here we go. And get up to the Nephilim. You're like, oh God, what? (laughs) Where do we go? You quit by the time you get to Leviticus, all right? Don't start uh, New Year's resolutions in Genesis 1 in January, but you can read Proverbs in January. Proverbs is a great thing. 31 chapters, you can read that, is a whole book to help you grow in wisdom. And basically, one of the, the main thrusts of the book of Proverbs that I see is that we can grow in wisdom because as we walk in our relationship with God and as we walk well in our relationship with others. Christian life, love God, love people. The wise life, learn from God, learn from people. And that's where I want to focus on tonight. I want to talk about the fact that God has put people in your life that you can learn from. And God has put people in your life that you can grow in wisdom from and it would do well for you to get practical about making sure you commit yourself to learning from other people. You learn from God, but God has put people in your life and it's important that you learn from them and grow in wisdom. So that is what I'm wanting to share tonight. And to make it a little bit so that you can remember the one takeaway point tonight... I want you to grow in wisdom for the year 2018. And so that you at least remember one verse, I want us to read Proverbs 2018. Plans are established by seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain guidance. Plans are succeed or established when you seek the advice of other people. So if you make a major life decision, if you do something that involves risk, if you do something that has significance for you and for others, for heaven's sake, make sure you get guidance from other people. There's a principle in the scripture, I'm not going to talk about this tonight, but there's a principle of the scripture called the witnesses having two or three witnesses. It's all the way through the Bible, where if you make a major significant decision in life, you make sure you bounce it off two or three witnesses and have an okay from other people. This is, I'm going to share tonight about growing in wisdom by seeking advice from other people. And if you want to grow in wisdom for 2018, then I want to share five people groups with you 
that I have grown in wisdom from in my life. And one of them at least is going to speak to you. Because I also believe in preaching that whenever I preach, my, one of my commitments is I want to preach truth that is timeless. Truth is timeless. There's no such thing as new truth. All right? Some of us have heard some things yesterday and you've, you, you thought, I've never heard that before. But it's not new. Because truth is eternal. It may be newly revealed, but there's no such thing as new truth. It can be fresh. It can have a fresh feel to it. But truth is eternal. Truth comes to us from the eternal realm and is applicable and comes to us in a, in a time space. So there's no such thing as new truth. Truth is eternal, but truth can also be, so truth is therefore timeless, but truth can also be timely. And whenever I preach, I know that there's something I'm going to say that even if it doesn't register with you in the room, it's still good that you hear it. Sometimes it's unhelpful in charismatic Pentecostal prophetic circles to think that I need to come to church and I need to get a word from God for me today. And you leave thinking, oh, it wasn't really for me today. Well, listen, was it true? Then it's timeless. All truth is timeless and it's good seven days of the week. Okay, so truth is timeless. But truth can also be timely. And truth can come with a sense of, oh, that's just what I needed to hear today. So I believe in both. I believe in the principle of the truth and the prophetic nature of now and now word. Okay? What is it? Rhema and Logos or whatever people say. Okay? So you can have both. So I want so even so tonight there's gonna to be some timeless truth, but I'm hoping for for I hope for the majority of us, there's at least one thing I share that you think, yes, that's why I came tonight. I need to put my hands and do something about that. Okay? That's where we're going. Five things. The first group of people I've really grown in wisdom from, and I want to encourage you to, particularly you younger guys, are parental figures. Parental figures. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, is all about a father's wisdom to his son. He starts in verse, the opening prologue. He starts in chapter 1, verse 8, I think, and he says, Listen, son, to my advice. Listen to my advice, son. The whole book of Proverbs is written from a parent to a son. Except for the last chapter, which is written from a mum to a son. See, we all, we all know that Solomon was the one that collated the wisdom, okay? But even Solomon was wise enough to give the last word to his wife. And so in the 31 chapters, chapter 31 is all written by a woman. It's a woman's wisdom to her son, which as I said a few years ago, Catherine will remember this, as I said a few years ago, Proverbs 31 is not written to women. It's written by a woman to her boy. Because the whole book of Proverbs is written to a son. Proverbs 1, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. It keeps saying, my son, my son, my son, my son, my son. Chapter 31, it's the mum speaking. And she says, listen, my son. And so when she, when she writes about the wife of noble character, she's not writing to her daughter. She's writing to her son. Proverbs 31 is not written to tell girls what they should be like. Because Proverbs 31, the mum says this, it opens like this. She says, a wife of noble character, who can find her? 
Son, do you want to know what type of man you need to be to find a woman as awesome as that? Then read on. Because Proverbs 31 is written about a woman. It's got a lot to say about her, but it's written to a son and it talks about the kind of man he needs to be in order to be worthy of a woman like that. So you better go read Proverbs 31 properly because when you read the Bible, you need to work out who the audience is. And the audience is a son. Why did I say all that? Because you should listen to your mum. One of the commands in the first one, Ephesians 6 says, that comes with a promise is to honour your mother and your father. And to honour basically means, and the word there for honour is the same word as weight. We are to give weight, appropriate weight, to the words of our parents, whether they are biological parents or whether they are spiritual parents, we are to give weight to the wisdom of our parents. And that's something that's good to learn and to put into practice when you're young. Because when you're young, before your frontal lobe is fully developed at the age of 25, you still think you know everything. Winston Churchill put it this way, when I was 16, I thought my parents knew nothing. When I was 21, I was shocked to discover how much they'd picked up in the last five years. <laughs> Mark Twain said, when I was 10, I thought my parents knew everything. When I became 20, I was convinced they knew nothing. But when I was 30, I realised that I was actually right when I was 10. We are to give weight to the words of our parents. And I like the word weight, that honour means weight, because like Winston, we can think it means weight. We are to give them weight because we can give appropriate weight understanding who they are. See, some of us have struggled with that issue about honouring because you think that means blatantly obeying someone that doesn't know what they're talking about. Now, at 16, you might think your parents never know what they're talking about. But as you get older in life, you also realise as you see your parents as they really are, you give weight to them according to who they really are. This is one of the biggest challenges we're going to face in life. It's the paradox of, of understanding that your parents aren't perfect. And that's a challenge that some of us come at very early in life. But it's a challenge we all face. And we see this in Noah's sons. You know, Noah was an awesome dad. He saved the world. You've got a superhero as a dad. He's there building his ark. He's got a cape on. I mean, he's saving the world, this guy, right? He's hearing God. He's, he's, everyone hates him. He's building an ark. He, every, what he says takes place. Your dad is a righteous man that walks with God and is flippant awesome. I mean, he is God's favourite and he rescued your family. What an awesome dad. You have a high view of your dad. And the next thing you know, dad's drunk as a skunk in his tent, lying absolutely stark and naked. And you face a test. And some children don't pass that test very well. Because some children came in, the sons, I can't remember their names, and they exposed their father and did not honour the true weight on his life. The other sons walked in backwards. Now, it's not that they ignored his weakness. Because what weight does, it is acknowledges who my parents really are. And my dad is a great man. He's done a lot of good and I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for him. But my dad is also weak and my dad's also vulnerable and my dad also makes mistakes. 
And I better be damn sure that I respond well when I notice that, that, that and give proper weight to those things. It's because it's not saying you ignore the frailty of your parents. It's not saying you ignore, you just give true recognition and weight to who they are. I know the strengths of my parents and I know the weaknesses of my parents and I give equal weight to both. Because some of us have pretty crappy parents. My dad's dad was an alcoholic, schizophrenic, wife beater, wife beater, who ended up, was in prison for most of my, my childhood. Hashtag not the best parent. My dad broke that chain of legacy in my family and was quite a good parent, a very good parent. My parents taught me uh, the wisdom of eating together a family meal as a family. My parents taught me the value of team sport and got us playing sport. I'm really glad they did that. I learned the value of team that way. My parents taught me the value of regular church attendance. We just grew up going to church, rain, hail or shine. I'm really glad they did that. Yet there's other areas in life that my parents didn't teach me and I've realised as I've got older they're not that good at. And I don't scorn them for that. I just give correct weight where weight is due. So I honour my parents even though there's areas in life they could have done better, they could have taught me in and I need to learn certain areas of wisdom that I didn't get from them, I need to learn from others. And God has given us both biological and if we are open, I believe God is hoping to give us spiritual parents. And when I say that, we really need to be be careful of expectations and those type of things. But I'd love to see more and more older people adopting younger people in church life. Because there's some of you who have grey heads, and we've got a lot of grey heads in our church. We've got the largest retirement, we've got a very large retirement population in our church. We've got a lot of grey heads in our church, proportionally. And I've said to some of our older people, you can't go to the grave with the wisdom that you have. There are 30-year-olds and 20-year-olds in this church that somehow you need to be parental figures to. So don't negate the wisdom that you have and somehow find a way to share it. Is that okay? Have I explained any of that any well? I I just think like God's given us parental figures, listen to them, learn from them, and give appropriate weight to them. Okay? Number two, another group of people that are really important to have in our life is prophetic people. Prophetic people, those with a special God-given grace who see things different to you but know how it, what it's like to hear God. How many of you love King David? A few of us. One thing I love about David, he, he was in this really bad part of life, right? His army, had died, his army had been defeated. He gets back from a battle, I think it's at Ziklag or something, and he comes back to his... To his um, to their camp and all their wives have been taken away, their kids have been taken away, their whole thing had been ransacked and his army turns against him and his army, army was basically out to kill him and he gets away from them, he gets alone with God, he is so distressed and yet it says there in that, that story that David encouraged himself in the Lord because it is super important that you have a personal relationship with God. Sometimes it's just going to be you and God and you just need to get through something. But the very next verse, after it says he encouraged himself in the Lord, says this. Then David sought Abiathar the priest so he could hear God with the 
ephod or whatever the heck they, they had back in those days. David knew what it was to hear God's voice. He knew what it was to worship God and have the hand of God come upon him. He knew what it was to be out in the field and hear the voice of God and sing, the Lord is my shepherd. He had a personal relationship with God and yet he also recognised that God had put people in his life and sometimes they will hear things that I will never hear. And so he went to Zad and he went to Nathan and he, he went to Beathar the priest. He went to people in his life that could hear God, not hear God for him like some kind of Christian clairvoyant. Oh, I, can't, I can't hear God. You hear God for me, please. Get a word from... No, no, no. He could hear God. But before he went into battle, he needed to go to a prophetic person and say, listen, I need two or three witnesses here. What do you believe God is saying? Have prophetic people in your life. And as the scripture says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. While I don't believe in, in Christian clairvoyancy and just you know, seeking a prophet to get a word from the Lord, I also do believe in putting yourself into a culture where God is speaking through other people. Because there has been times where I've really needed that. A couple of years ago, we, we, we were at a, a place in our life, we were a little bit whatever, and we, we thought, listen, let's go to a conference and give God an opportunity to speak to us. And, and a friend of ours from Canada called Joshua Mills was ministering, a prophetic guy, and we, we've had him in our church before and we knew him and it was on the Gold Coast. So we thought, all right, we'll get some sun as well. That'd be nice, have some sun and then get along to these meetings at the Big Pineapple or some revivally type of meetings, right? Josh Mills was there and we thought, we'll go there and Josh will have a word for us. So we get there and, you know, the prophet's in the house, so you make sure you sit near the front under the lights with a shiny shirt, right? So you're sitting there, you're going, all right, Josh knows me, surely he's going to pull me out in the crowd. And Josh said nothing. And we go through the prayer line and, you know, sometimes God really meets with you and sometimes it's nothing. And other times, but something else happened at that conference that I that I, I won't go into. So it's not like it's always helpful to do that. But sometimes having prophetic people in our life has been really helpful. So Adam Thompson, we're having come, you had him here a year or two ago. We um, had him in our church another, a couple of years ago. And there was a time a few years back where people in our church started having dreams. And I, I had one, my son had one the next day, and an older lady in our church had, had one, and they were all very similar. I had a dream where I was in my father's house and I had saw this big bear come into the house and I was freaking out. My son had a dream the next night of our church building and he said, I saw a shark swimming around. It was all filled with water and there was a shark swimming around the church. And then an older lady from church, a prophetic lady, came up to me the next day, three nights in a row, and said, I had a dream of a virgin girl on a bed and this snake was coming up while she was sleeping on the bed. Now, I'm not particularly prophetic, but I know enough to know <laughs> that three dreams in a row all of which have a picture of the church in them. My father's house and a big animal coming to attack, our church building with a shark and a virgin girl with a snake, I know enough to know that that's saying something. So I take that and I go out to my backyard and I'm like, all right, Lord, what does that mean? <laughs> Nothing. And so I'm like, fair enough. So I take my authority. I just say, well, from what I know, I believe this means some type of attack. And right now I just say that thing's over. It's done. I'm the shepherd in this church. It's over. It's done. It's final. Jesus is Lord. 
Boom. Okay, go back inside. I mentioned it to our elders. We pray again and I say, look, I can't give any specifics. They didn't pick anything up. And then a week or two later, I think, why don't I call Adam Thompson? I speak to Adam. I give him the, explain the dreams to him. And he says, oh yeah, I know what that is. That's a spirit of blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I never would have picked that. And what it did is it helped us. We felt like we already dealt with it in prayer. But hearing him say the spirit of blah, 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 meant that I went to the scriptures and I looked up what that meant. And I was able then for not only just to destroy that thing in the spirit, but I was able then to preach on that and to educate our people as to something of what that scheme looked like. And I don't fully, I have an idea of what that scheme was, but it did not touch or affect us at all. And I'm just glad... We, I think we would have come through fairly well without that prophetic input, but I'm super glad that we had it. Yeah. The point is, prophetic people, and that might just be people in your life group, your home group, your youth group, whatever, people you know who hear God, have those people in their, your life because they will see things and hear things that you won't see and hear. And that's the way God wants it. God wants us to be interdependent upon other people. Not using Christian clairvoyance, coming up for prayer every single Sunday, say, I need a word from the Lord to get me through this week. No, like David, you encourage yourself in the Lord. But from time to time, you know, I've got people that I can go to that just say, look, look, I'm just going through this. Leave it with you. If you pick up anything, let me know. And you can trust people that they'll pray for you. Have prophetic people in your life. And everyone said, parental figures, prophetic people, Number three, professionals. This doesn't sound very spiritual. One of the lessons I've learned over the years of growing in wisdom is to have people in your world and learn from others that have dedicated their life to the study and the practice of something. Even, and sometimes especially, if they're not Christians. Because there are people who have dedicated their life to certain studies and you can learn from them. And don't be arrogant enough to think that just because someone is not a Christian doesn't mean you can't learn anything from them. And so one of the tragic stories of Israel's history and I mentioned this the other day, when the kingdom after Solomon died was split into two, how that happened was the young king, Solomon's son, came into power after dad had died and he said, ooh, I get to be in power now, I'm going to address the taxation system. Let's, let's look at taxes, all right? let's look at some tax law. And so he got some of the older, wiser, professional people that had been serving with his dad and he said, what shall we do? What do you guys think we do? You guys have been in this for years. You guys are professionals. You guys have been counsellors of my father for many years. What do you think we should do? And they said, don't increase taxes right now. It's not the right time. Right. He then went to a bunch of young guys who thought they knew everything right. and said, what do you think I should do, fellas? Have a bit of a beer and a talk. And they said, let's, let's use this, man. Let's increase taxes. That's the best thing we can do. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and that son did not learn, did not listen to the lessons of those who had deep experience in, that, in fiscal policy. And it was then that the kingdom was divided. 
Whose car is that? It could be anyone's, couldn't it? Oh, really? I don't know. I don't know. Ah, it's finished now. Well done. Um, one thing I know is that God has given people a skill set that we can learn from. You know, one of the best things I did two years ago, I've got some wonderful preachers in my life. I've got good prophetic people in my life. I've got good parental figures, both spiritual and biological in my life. Yet I got to a point two and a half years ago where I think I need the help of a professional. And one of the best things I did two and a half, three years ago was make an appointment with a psychologist and sit down with a clinical psychologist and say, help me understand who I am because there's things that I'm noticing myself doing that I don't quite understand. And it was the, one of the highlights of my year. I've been to prophetic conferences. I've been flat out on the ground. I've come through the best fire tunnels you can ever imagine. I've been sloshed, absolutely sloshed in the Holy Spirit. And yet there was something about sitting at the feet of a man who was professionally trained in something who could read me like a book. And I thought, that's awesome. Some of you, some of us, one of the best things we can do for our financial life is to go out and get a book or go meet with a financial planner and listen to a professional help you with your finances. I've got someone on my leadership team who's, who's, who understands God's principles in finances. He's tithed for years. He's been generous for years. And yet they had the biggest breakthrough in their financial life last year. And it wasn't because of a financial sermon. It was because they got a book called The Barefoot Investor. It's an Australian guy. And they put what he said into practice. And their financial life has just totally changed because they got their super into gear. They got a savings plan happening. They, they, they consolidated their banking situation. They cancelled their debts. And they took the advice of a professional fiscal manager and their life their financial life has just changed there are professionals who know what they're talking about and if you want to grow in wisdom there's sometimes you just need to speak to someone I've got females in my life I've got pastors who I've spoken to who've had people in their I can't give names but there are people in their church that have just been beautiful people but struggled every they they, they who they've seen an intuitive doctor with all the health issues that they've had and ups and downs and emotions and heads and what is this? What type of mental illness do they have? And to have someone diagnose and say, you've actually got a hormone imbalance. And to help them with their hormones. And a pastor said to me, it was like this person in our church, this amazing prophetic person, it was like she was demonized every couple of weeks. We had as much prayer as we can, as much sozo as we could. We had as everything we had for it. And you know the breakthrough happened when we, when we got her to go to a hormone doctor. A professional that said, this is actually the issue and it totally changed that person's life. So have all these people in your life. We're the type of church that has apostolic parents preach in our pulpit. We're the type of church that has prophetic people, Joshua Mills, Adam Thompson. We have all of those guys come and preach in our pulpit. But we're the only church that I know of that twice has had a sex therapist preach in our pulpit. We found an Anglican lady who's a professional sexologist. She is a sex therapist and we got her to come and speak in our church twice, two years in a row. The first year we got her to speak about understanding sex from a God point of view and the second year we got her to speak, she did a whole hour on a Sunday morning about pornography addiction and about the, the, the psychology of how pornography addiction works 
and the power and pull of pornography because we believe in drawing on the expertise of people that have given their life to something. And some of us, you may have gone your whole life getting prayer for our marriage, your marriage, going through fire tunnels, or trying to apply the principles that you can. It might just need that you need to sit down with a counsellor, maybe even a sex therapist, and chat with a professional who's given their life to studying that issue, those issues. Okay? Don't negate the wonderful privilege of men and women that have given their life to something. And if you're a young man and you're feeling aimless in life, then maybe one of the best things you can do is get on Amazon and buy Jordan Peterson's book on the 12 rules for life. He's not a Christian, but he's a clinical psychologist and he's helping millions of men, young men around their world, get their life together. Because he's telling them to tidy their room, put your chest out, Take responsibility in life. And sometimes we just need to listen to the voices of those who know what they're talking about. Okay? Parental figures. Listen to them. Prophetic people. Have them in your life. Professionals. Have them in your life. The next group of people that you'll grow in wisdom from is by making sure you have good peers around you. Making sure you have peers. People who are going through the same journey as you. People who are a similar stage of life to you. People who are friends. People who speak your language. Sometimes on the, be- the best friends you can have is someone who is doing the same thing as you because without even talking about the issues, you know you understand one another. That's one of the reasons why pastors become friends with other pastors. It's not because we're insular. It's because we just know without having to talk about church all the time, these people just get me. And some of you who are cops, it's the same thing. Cops, it's only really another cop that really understands a cop. Some of you who are teachers, you have friends who are teachers, you understand we're doing life together. There's something about this camaraderie. But true friends are hard to find and having true friends is really important. The whole book of Job, we just read Job together as a church. The whole book of Job is a story about getting good advice from friends and getting bad advice from friends too. Because the book of Job is actually all about getting bad advice and then getting one friend who gives good advice. Okay? Did you know that? If you want to hear God, please don't open the Bible and go, Lord, speak to me today. If your finger falls in Job, it's probably not good advice. (laughs) Because most of the book of Job is not good advice. That's the point of it. Oh, shush. Most of the... Most of the book of Job is bad advice coming from three friends that don't know what they're talking about until one good friend comes along and does know what he's talking about. So it's important to have peers in your life. It's important to learn from others. It's important to be able to have someone that you can go to and say, you're the only person I can say this to because I know you'll understand. Dr. Howard Hendricks, a psychologist in America, did a survey once he found 240 pastors who'd left the ministry because they'd had affairs, adulterous affairs. They had two friends in the last few years my age that this has happened to. And he said there was four main correlations between all of them. He said the first thing is that none of them had a regular time of worship and intimacy with God. He said the second thing was that uh, all of them developed a relationship with someone that was first emotional 
one-on-one emotional relationship with a woman that then very quickly became physical. And I know that from chatting with my friends. I know how that happens. The third thing he said was that every one, 100% of the men he surveyed said, I never thought this could happen to me. There's, there's a mistake. <laughs> you should say, this could happen to me. That's the idea. You, this could never happen to me. And he said the last thing that he found over, that every single one of them said was that I never felt like I had a friend that I could talk to as I was walking down that road. And I've had guys in our church, because we get sexologists in our church. We talk about these things. We talk about being vulnerable and open and intimate. I've had guys come to me and to be able to say, I've got a crush on, on a girl. That's not my wife. And the moment it's spoken, the power of it breaks. Because to have peers in your life and to have true friends that you can share with. A few quick things about friends. F, real friends are few. No offence, because this includes some of you, but I've got two and a half, three thousand people on Facebook that are Facebook friends, but they're not my friends. Because real friends are few. Real friends are few. R, friends reciprocate relationship. If there's something I've learned over the years that Jay and I have experienced, both as pastors and not, but true friends reciprocate relationship. And we've had to audit our relationships over the years because there's been a lot of times where we've realised that we've had a one-way relationship with someone. It's always us contacting. It's always us going out of our way. It's always us initiating. Oh, you find out two months later they were in our town and never made... Okay, okay, I'm always the one reciprocating. And every now and again, you just have to do an audit and go, maybe that person really isn't a friend. Because true friends reciprocate. F, true friends are few... Friends reciprocate. I, friends are intimate. And intimacy simply means into me you see. Intimacy, into me you see, it means I'm happy to be vulnerable with you because I've got nothing to hide. God is, the verse that says God is no respecter of persons, in the Greek it says God is no respecter of masks. You know when people are smoke screening you? Do you know that phrase? You know when you watch a movie and the, 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 um, the uh, guys with the guns go into a place and they always throw in a smoke grenade first, all right? The whole idea of that smoke grenade is that so that people can't see them coming in. And sometimes you know what it's like to talk to someone like that when you're talking to them and you feel like there's just this smoke between you. It's like they're putting up this smoke screen so you can't actually look them in the eye and talk to them. That's not a true friend. True friends are intimate. True friends are able to say, into me you see. And I'll be as honest as I can, as is appropriate to different forums, but there are things I'll never say here to you guys that I will say to true friends. And it's important to have some people like that, that you can just go, here I am. This is what the issue is. And if people who do that will avoid a lot of pain and it'd just be good. Anyway, F... R-I-E. Is that right? E. Friends are energy efficient. There are times where friends go through a hard time and you need to give them extra energy. All right? There are times where you, your friend is the person on the mat and you need to be with them 
and your other three friends and you need to be the one that's lifting them up and carrying them because they're going through a hard time. That's what friends do. And every now and again, you're going to be the guy on the mat that needs your friends to give you extra attention. But over a long period of time, a true friend is energy efficient, which means they're not always draining you because they're not always the friend like an empty, like a bottomless pit saying, gimme, 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 gimme. And you realise this person's just draining. It's a draining relationship. How many of you know what they're like? Now listen, it's okay to have relationships that, or to invest into people that are needy. That's ministry. But it's not a friend. A true friend is someone that's energy efficient because they are giving and taking, giving and taking. And some of us have relationships that are just exhausting us. And I'm not saying for you to cut them off. I'm just saying for you to maybe realise what that is. That maybe this person is not really a, what I could call, a few reciprocating, intimate, energy efficient relationship. N. Friends are near. Friends say, I'm there for you. Other side of the world, I'm there for you. There are friends I'd drop anything for and I'd be there for them. And there are people that would do that for me. Friends are near, friends are there for you. What's next? D, friends are devoted. Good times, bad times, behind your back, to other people, when you're popular, when you're not popular, when you've screwed up, when you're successful, when your business is going well, when you're bankrupt. Friends are devoted. S, friends are sacrificial. Greater love has no man than this. Then he lays down his life for his friends and friends are willing to pay the price. It's important to have friends in your life. But more important or as important is that you make sure you're one of them. Because you can't have friends unless you're willing to be a friend. Unless you're willing to reciprocate, to be intimate, to be energy efficient, to be near, to be devoted and to be sacrificial in relationships. So be a good friend. Lastly, parental figures, prophetic people, professionals, peers, and the last one, a group of people that you can learn from and grow in wisdom from, is this. Pupils. Pupils. Everyone touch your pupils? No, don't do that. One of the littlest books in the Bible, uh, Paul writes to a guy called Philemon, and it doesn't have any chapters, so it's just verse six. It's just verses. But in verse six, he says, "Philemon, I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith, because as you're active in sharing your faith to other people, you will be aware of every good thing that you have in Christ." Hang on, say that again, Philemon. Be active in sharing what you have, because as you share what you have for others, you will become aware of everything that you've got. There are some things that you will learn only when you're teaching others. How many of you have been chatting with someone once? You're, they're asking for advice or you're teaching them and suddenly something comes out of your mouth and you're like, man, that was awesome. 
quick, write that down. How, did I come out with that? That was freaking awesome. Hashtag that, you know? That was so cool. Sometimes it's only when you're teaching others that you find yourself actually learning. And that's why we have, we've got people in our church who, you know, they enjoy Chad's preaching on a Sunday, but they say, I love being on Super Kids and serving in kids' ministry because as I'm preparing my kids' ministry class, as I'm teaching younger people, I'm actually getting far more out of it than I think they are. I'm actually learning and growing as I am teaching someone else. Because we grow in wisdom as we are giving out wisdom. I got a friend of mine who led a church for years. He had people come up to him, as, and you've all heard this phrase. People would say, oh, I'm just a bit bored here, and you know, I just need something, something deeper and, and you know, deeper teaching, and da la la la. And he'd look at them from time to time and he'd say, I don't think that's your issue. He said, I think you're bored. He said, yeah, I'm bored with church. That's why I'm thinking of leaving. He says, No, no, no. I think you're bored. And he'd, he'd ask them, he'd say, Who is it that you're investing into? Who is there in your life that you're actually discipling, that you're teaching, that you're investing into? And the answer was always nobody. He goes, that's the problem. The problem is you're bored and you're blaming the pulpit or you're blaming the leadership because you want to sit there and get more food, but you're not giving anything out. And that's the problem. You're getting fat and lazy because you're not actually teaching anyone else. You're not actually giving yourself to others. So some ways, the best ways that we can actually grow in wisdom is by giving out to other people. That's why some of the, when you see that, it's people who take responsibility who are the really true wise people. This is the problem we have between the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing something. And a lot of us think we know things because we've got Google. Oh, I saw a meme. I understand that. I've got that. But wisdom is about knowing how to apply knowledge. Yeah? Wisdom is about knowing how to apply knowledge and application means responsibility. That's why a lot of mindless protesting on, on, uh, by young students, and it's been like this all over the show in college campuses or whatever, it's by I, people who are full of ideology but have no responsibility in life. That's why there's certain political parties that are really active in wanting to get young people into their political party and lower the voting age to have them vote younger Because the younger you are, the more susceptible you are to just believing something that's ideological. It's only when you get older and you start having to pay bills, feed kids, raise a family, build a house, pay taxes, contribute to society and actually wear responsibility and actually be giving out to other people that you realise, woof, I thought I knew what I was talking about when I was young, but I'm voting a whole lot different now than what I would have back then. Because as a person who's now wearing responsibility and giving myself to others, I've actually grown in wisdom. (laughs) I can't believe, I used to believe that. All right? So I love young people. And I think we should listen to young people. But there is something about the wisdom that does come with age and does come with wearing responsibility that has been investing into others that gives you a different perspective in life. And I think if you're going to listen to advice from people, make sure it is those who have pupils. Make sure it is those who are investing into others. 
because there's something about that responsibility that gives them greater wisdom. You can only learn some things when you put weight on your shoulders, take responsibility, get on with the job and are actually investing into others. So if you want to grow in wisdom, some of you need to put what you think you know into practice and invest it into other people. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I think. And that's why Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, I want you to teach. Paul said, what you've learned from me, I want you to teach others who will teach others. What Paul said to Timothy, I want you to teach others who will teach others because God is the God of generations. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and the boys. Interesting, when you read the scripture, God is never called the God of Adam. Okay, when, when Moses talks to Israel, he doesn't say, the God of Noah has come to me and said. He could have done that. The God of Enoch. Why not? Enoch walked with God. That would have been good. The God of Adam. Let's go right back to Adam. Nah. Because none of those men had a, had a legacy of generations that walked with God. None of those men, they walked with God, the individuals, but none of them had a legacy where generation after generation they walked with God. It was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and the boys. That is the God, is the God of generations. The God of Paul that taught Timothy, that taught others to teach others. And I want to be a link in that chain. I want to be a link in that chain to say I know stuff and I have a responsibility to teach others to teach others. And maybe that's why more and more I'm starting in my preaching to explain to people this is how I do this. Because I don't care if, well, hang on. I don't care. I'd much rather other people preach better than me. I'd rather that. I'd rather people, I don't really care. How do I put this? There's just something about that Ephesians 4 thing that says, I'm not here just to say something to you. I want you to take this and I want you to do something with this that's better than what I can do. You know, like I said on the first night, I'm not really, my main job's not really to teach the Bible. I'd rather teach people to teach the Bible themselves. You know what I mean? I'd rather have other people leave and going, I can do that. (laughs) I can, I I know that, I can do that. Anyway, I don't know if I explained that well. So there are, these are five groups of people I've found has really helped me. Have parents in your life, biological, spiritual, just parental figures, prophetic people, professionals, peers, and pupils. And I'm wondering if there's one of those tonight that has really spoken to you the most. To grow in wisdom for 2018, is there something in your heart that says, that's an area I'm lacking in? And I can actually make a move on that. Maybe for some of you, it's auditing a friendship. And just being honest and going, you know what? They're not that good of friends to me. I think I'm realising that. But that person really is. I should invest in that relationship a bit more. 
Maybe it's investing into a younger generation. Maybe it's seeking some professional advice. Maybe you feel like you're treading water physically. Go and pay for a PT, for goodness sake. Get some professional health advice. Go for it. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe there are prophetic people you haven't listened to and you need to approach and just go, I'm really struggling with something. If you pick something up, let me know. Is there one area that's really spoken to you? You've got 10 seconds. Because I know you're not going to remember everything, but I want you to take one away. If there's some faith in your heart that says, Lord, I want to trust you or I want to do something about a parental relationship, that's my takeaway tonight. Maybe there's a parental voice that I haven't given proper weight to. Maybe there's a parental voice that I need to go and learn from and speak from. Maybe I've got a parent that I might not have around for much longer and I need to listen to them. If that has been the one thing, that parental figure that you go, I need more of that in my life and I'm going to do something about pursuing a parental relationship, biological, spiritual or other. If that's you tonight, I want to pray for you. Why don't you stand to your feet and say, parental figure, that's me. Stand to your feet now. Super. All right, guys, put your hand on your heart and every one of you, let's pray for this, these beautiful people. Lord, these stories are unique and I don't, you know the detail and you know the heart and you know the solution and you know the growth that is going to happen. And so we just pray for release. We thank you for open doors and we thank you for courage to walk through that door. I thank you that you have spoken to these hearts tonight and I thank you that these hands will be put into action as is appropriate in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you guys stay, stay on your feet, just stay on your feet. Have that prophetic people, if that's your one thing tonight. You go, I need to invite some prophetic voices into my life. Yeah, one, anyone else? Get myself into a more prophetic zone. Stand up, mum. Okay, great. You guys put your, put your hands on your heart. Let's pray for them. Father, I pray that for these precious people, you would open doors, that you would bring right people at the right time and you would give them the courage and the wisdom to step forward, to be bold and to place themselves in that prophetic environment, to admit the fact that I need to hear God through other people, that other people have things to say to me and unique insights for me. So I just release that grace into these people in Jesus' name. How many of you really like that professional thing? That's, that's like, I've, I, that's a wisdom area, wisdom I think I'm going to do something about. There you go. You know what? It's probably because we don't hear much about it in church. Yeah. True. Okay? So I'm glad you're responding. Once you put your hand on your heart, and I'm going to pray for wisdom for you to know who to go to um, and who to listen to. So everyone else, come on, pray for these guys. Dad, I just thank you that you would um, speak to these precious people. I don't know, some of these are financial, some of these are health, some of these are, uh, are other areas, maybe even psychology or mental health. I pray, Lord God, you would release um, and open the right door and the right person at the right time and that there would be no time wasting, uh, but they would, they would just find the right voice to listen to and for some of them it's even going to be on YouTube. But they would find the right voice to give heed to and to glean from the wisdom of others. How many of you need to look at your friendships 
and peers, and that's the thing that really ministered to you tonight, okay? Cool, there you go. Awesome. That's good. You know, there is a verse in Proverbs that says, uh, wounds from a friend can be trusted. And friend, real friendships aren't just people that pat you on the back because patting your back doesn't necessarily make it stronger. Real friends are those who can speak openly into your life. So I'm really glad you guys are standing. Why don't you put your hand on your heart? <laughs> um, Dad, we all pray for these group of people and we thank you that you would release, um, that you would release true wisdom in knowing the... Uh, in knowing that how to pursue what type of relationships. Father, I pray that these people would be really good friends and that there is something in what I said today that they take home, that they go, I'm going to be a better friend to that person. And for those who need courage to maybe back off of a friendship or who have realised the reality of what a relationship was that I thought was a friendship, I pray for very high degree wisdom and kindness as they negotiate the change in what that relationship looks like. Because some of you need that. Amen? Amen. All right. How about pupils? How about some of you have just said, yeah, I, need, I want to invest in the people. Yep, great. One, two, three, four, five, six. Some of you are greedy. You're going to take two more. Some of you need to volunteer on, on kids' ministry. Some of you need to get involved with youth or to do something. Why don't we pray for them? Don't be distracted by this lot. Those of you who stood up then, put your hand on your heart. I can't come around to all of you. That's, that's, not, that's not the MO. That's okay. You just take this moment seriously. Holy Spirit, I pray that for these guys, you would open the door of opportunity, that they would stand and know that they have a legacy and lessons that they need to pass on to the next generation. So I pray that you would give creative doors. Even right now, I'm feeling someone's going to dream of an idea of how they can do this. All right, so maybe like a dream, you're going to see something, you're ministering in an area with a particular group of younger people or something. All right, so Lord, I just pray you would release that dream to that person and you give creative ideas of knowing how to speak with the lessons I've learned into a younger generation because I want my life to make a difference and I say, you are the God of the generations and I commit myself to being a link in that chain. Everyone said... Holy Spirit, we thank you that you give us wisdom and that you empower us to grow in wisdom. And we pray that 2018, I'll look back for Grace and Glory Conference next year and I will say I'm far wiser than what I was this time last year. I'll look back and I'll say, while not everything might have gone according to my plan, Boy, oh boy, I made some good decisions over that year because I knew how to apply the knowledge that you've given me and I knew what it was to seek good counsel from others. Father, I thank you for the people you've put in my life, for the voices you've put around me and I commit myself to lending my ears to them and to giving weight to their words. You guys are great listeners. You've, done, you've listened really well to me and so I've got pretty high confidence that you're going to listen well to other people that God's put in your life. Thank you.